Hey everyone, a little special edition podcast here uh, that we did. Uh, we actually did a growth hacking NFT Twitter podcast with Shillin Villain and Minister of NFT. So these are two shit posters that have grown followings on Twitter and we dive into some of the ins and outs of what they're doing, what their strategies are, what the goals are behind these uh, different things. And so I thought it was a really interesting conversation to hear how Shillin Villain operates. He's been on a pretty much meteoric rise as a Solana Twitter personality. It won't be long before his following flips mine and then flips Nick's. I think he's going to really be a force that uh, will be reckoned with. And uh, yeah, it was great just picking his brain and understanding what's going on in his head. Nick actually joins and easy joins at the end too. It's, it's a great conversation. One of the better podcasts we've done in a while. Uh, as usual, sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at thenifty.com slash FTX or with the code the nifty on your FTX mobile app. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Doing a little bit of a different show this evening, calling it Growth Hacking NFT Twitter with Shillin Villain and the first ever space featuring the Minister of NFTs, also known as Mini. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we haven't done something like this before, so I'm really excited to get into the mix and see what the story is. Gentlemen, how's it going? Yo. <laughs> the the first word said by Minister of NFTs on a Twitter space. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Yo, <laughs> yo back. What's up? <laughs> Not much, man. I'm I'm pumped to be here. Alex, how you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm pumped as well. I've never heard from Minister. I know he's a great shit poster, but I don't know if he's a great shit talker. So we'll see how he does. <laughs> I'm bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Uh, we'll wait for people to get in the mix and get in the room. And, you know, obviously, the Twitter spaces, we can't have any dead air. So real quick, a uh, little off topic. I want to see Alex. Yo, explain to me why you're so passionate about removing royalties to the NFT game. I I'd love to hear what the, uh, the kind of thought is behind that, because I see you fucking going on and on about it every day. What is the deal with removing royalties, and why is that such like an important concept to you? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that, um, because it gets me engagement. That's the main reason. But I do, I, I've said both sides, so I think there's, there's pros and cons, but I think the pros outweigh the cons here. I think we're going to have like a huge mass adoption you're going to have like a Robin Hood effect. You can see like what happened with Robin Hood when they went to zero trading fees. Like you had all these other new degen traders coming in because there's like easier profit margins. You're just you're trade. It's, it's easier to trade to make money on. And I don't understand why people trade on ETH at this point in time. I mean, the profit margins are slim Like in, in doing mints on. Wait, can I dunk on Ethereum right now? Like, is that what we're doing? <laughs> I, uh, dude, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Let's go, man. Uh, it's funny. I don't know. I know there's probably some smart people in here, but um, you know what? I'm not going to dunk on ETH people. I'm not. I think, I think though, P.O., to the 0%, it's just – it's not my personal beliefs. It's just going to happen. Like, I, I'd like for to, like, support artists. Like, I like that idea, but it's just going to happen. You, people are going to see, like, oh, Alex is saving $100 every time he trades. Like, that's not fair. Like, how does he get a fa unfair trading advantage? And then they'll just be like, well, I want to save that $100 too. It's just that's what's going to happen. And I don't think there's any type of fix around it because you can try to change a smart contract, but then you'll just like they'll, they'll always jump the hurdle. They'll just trade private keys for wallets like they'll literally put their NFT into a new wallet, trade a private key. Just easy, easy, easy. But um, yeah, I, I just don't see, I don't see it not happening. And when you say go like no royalty, do you mean like literally zero percent? like close to zero percent because i'm just thinking from like a project creator standpoint whether it's an artist with an art piece or just a person making you know one of these you know what what are effectively nft startups like people call them projects but they're effectively supposed to be nft startups or at least i think the people that are deploying capital into them think of uh, uh you know are thinking of them that way but yeah i just wanted to kind of understand what you mean because i can't picture like an nft startup um you know actually being able to survive with zero percent secondary royalty that would mean that the primary sale is all the money that it make uh, that, that the project would make and that would also disincentivize the people that start the project from continuing to work on it yeah i like that you bring that up 
um, it makes per, it makes no sense to me. Like when people say it decent, like then why are projects going under mint? Like if there's this huge incentive to royalties, then projects would be like pumping their floors at all times. But that doesn't that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's zero percent or ten percent. The price action is the price action. But I will say like I guess Ethereum may not have utility. Like there's um, like you can create NFTs that have utility on Solana. There's a lot of them. Like you have the famous Fox where they collect revenue share off of like the raffles and they have the whitelist token and they use it. So in order to avoid a security, like we're going to get pretty deep here, they have their famous Fox token and then they, you can, you can do like raffles with there's, there's utility for their token. Right. So right there just shows you, they can generate a new revenue stream where all these other ones are, I guess like Ethereum, uh, they capitulate to just, we don't have any other revenue other than royalties. It's, it's kind of where I'm going with this, but like there's several projects on some like Blocksmith Labs. I, I could, I could list off a whole bunch DJ, like the gambling matter right now that's going on. Uh, DJ coin flips paying out all their holders. Like they have another revenue stream outside of this, this fallback on royalties. And I think it's just, it's not like I'm against it. Right. But I just don't see how we stop it. If you can tell me like a scenario on how to stop it, then I'd be like, Oh, okay. Then maybe this won't happen. But I don't see a scenario in, in any way to stop it. Well, I don't know if other people are like talking about this too. You're the loudest for sure. You're the loudest. I see you tweeting about it all the time. Uh, and it just has me thinking. So like, I didn't know that there, like, uh, you know, we just kind of think about things one way. And uh, when I saw that you were saying it, I just thought it was such an interesting and at the time, I thought it was kind of random just because I would understand if somebody said like the platform like OpenSea or Magic Eden, you know, one is going to come out that's going to either have an extremely low fee or no fee at all with a different revenue model. And that's the Robinhood model that you're alluding to. And we're seeing that on the crypto side too. For example, there's a company called Strike uh, that is using that Robinhood model when it comes to buying Bitcoin. Uh, the founder of that company, Jack Maulers, describes it as the race to the bottom that Robinhood innovated. And that company is not worried about revenue at all. They're only worried about adoption. And that's why they're spreading Bitcoin to Central America, to Africa, to Europe, to countries that actually, you know, will value a currency like that, right? Um, but when it comes to like the creator of the NFT having a zero royalty and your level of confidence that we're going to get to that and the idea that there would just be a different revenue model where the, the project or the company, the business, whatever you want to call it, on the NFT side would be able to generate money for that business, generate revenue, and it doesn't impact the people that are uh, participating in the market, You know, the people that are actually trading the NFT. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, and I think that that's interesting and possible. I'm just thinking about it for the first time right now, so I don't have like a path to get to that. So you're saying that you actually think that that would be possible. Absolutely. Projects already like you can talk to some founders and some founders like, yeah, we have several sources of revenue streams. And the ones that don't are the people that are really against it. And you can like you just think of like Mechaverse. Uh, what is it? Hey, hey, hype beast. I mean, you look at these. You, you're naming like the shittiest projects. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah. But I'm going like the I just want to say like the secondary volume. Like, do you think they deserve the, the royalties on those? Probably not. And imagine if that secondary they went into like real projects like. You know, like the Basie Macy doodles, like what if we, what if we had all that extra liquidity going into real projects? Because now it's just like wasted funds. And where did those funds really go when you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Uh, you know, I guess I always just thought of it as the way of the world and actually part of the benefit of NFT technology. Right. Because like I think it was sort of modeled on the art side because artists in the past would make a piece. And then if that piece appreciated and it was sold on the secondary market, you know, the seller of the piece, like the person that had bought it on the primary market from the artist that sells it, they reap the benefit of the, the appreciation and the artist didn't actually get any of that. That's what people commonly reference when it comes to the world. Royalty. But it sounds like for you, you feel like, you know, we should actually nix that on the project side and projects should just have other ways of making ongoing revenue apart from the primary sale. I just thought it was interesting. I mean, that's not what this this show that we're doing right now is about. Um, but I just wanted to maybe warm up with that because I thought it was fascinating. Is there anything else you wanted to say on that point before we move on? Yeah, I do. Like, I understand, like, the artist, like, the strictly the artist. And, like, that was kind of, like, what it was all based upon. And they get royalties on their art forever. But, I mean, I just don't see a scenario on how you can prevent people from – 
paying zero percent. That's the real issue. And so it's just going to capitulate to uh, the zero percent because there's no way to stop it. Gotcha. So you're just talking about because of the competitive nature of the market, you're just at the point where you're like, all right, well, this is going to happen. Like you're, you're just your brain is at the point where you're like, it's going to happen. So once it happens, everybody else that doesn't, you know, get to you're, you're using the term capitulate, but I would go as far to say like adapt, just adapt to a new market standard. That person's going to get wrecked. Well, hey, man, you got me thinking I, I didn't know I was going to start thinking about that. But that's really interesting uh, to kind of stew on. Um, so on to, to what we're talking about today. So this was set up by the product manager at the Nifty, Elizabeth, also known as Laguna Carta. So shout out to Elizabeth. And I think that she thought it was going to be useful for us to discuss the idea of growth hacking Twitter. You know, I see Thread Guy in the crowd. Shout out to Thread Guy. He's someone that definitely knows all about this. Uh, if we end up opening this up to speakers and he's still around, I'll definitely invite him up. And if he wants to, he can pop up. But, uh, but you know, I look at you, Alex, as someone that's kind of bust on the scene and uh, you know what you're doing with this. Also, you know, Minister of NFTs, kind of a different, a different flavor of it, uh, but the same direction nonetheless. Um, so, you, like, the first thing I wanted to ask before we even get into, like, the whole idea of building a following on Twitter and everything is I just want to ask, besides having fun, because obviously people have fun, people shit post, people post memes, people post funny tweets, people do things that are just for fun. So I guess besides fun, like, what is this whole thing about? Like, I'll, I'll ask you, Alex, first, like, what, what is your motivation with all this shit? Like, what are you trying to do? Yeah, uh, I was just strictly having fun. But then it came to a point where, like, I was getting these opportunities thrown at me. And, and like, I'm going to, I have, like, I had a job in, in the web, too. And it was, like, I loved the job that I was doing. It allowed me to, like, do what I was doing. But then, like, I was, like, getting these crazy opportunities. I kept on turning them down. And eventually, I was, like, wow, this one opportunity, it felt like it was too good to be true. I'm like, I'm looking These are like NFT related opportunities. Yes. Like you'd be, you'd be surprised just shit posting on Twitter, how many different opportunities you're given. Like, I don't know about minister, but like speaking for myself, I guarantee like minister had just as many opportunities as I have. And he hasn't taken any, it sounds like, but the, the less you take, the more you get, it seems like, because I was given an opportunity and the, literally they were like, we don't want you to change anything you're doing. Like, just continue what you're doing, but we want to hire you. And I was like, what do you mean? Not, like, that's it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to show the project. If you happen to see it, you see it. But I literally just shit post on there and then I retweet it. Like, that's pretty much all I do for the project. I'm like the low man on the totem pole. I don't, it's not like crazy pay, but it's like, I, I feel like I'm supporting what I would say, like a, a web three company. Like we would want this in our ecosystem. So you actually got a job slowly, uh, solely because of your shit posting, right? And and now, are you still doing that? Is that so, like, are you making sizable comp for it? Like, because I don't know what it is, right? So I don't know if your job is like quote unquote marketing. It ain't working on me. Like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, right? So so what exactly like is that something you're still doing? And and how did that how did that work once you started doing it? Yeah. Um... I am working there and it's, they have, they have VC. All right. They have some VC funding from like Coinbase, Google, Facebook. They have 10 developers, two founders that are like successful startup. And then they were like, Alex, we want you to be like a shit poster. I'm like, dude, say <laughs> less. like that's all you want me to do. So like, I, I'm not, I'm not the person that probably should be talking about the project because I'll, I'll, I'll mess it up. So eventually like you'll hear from it, but it, dude, we're in a bear market. There's like no shot they're going to launch in this. And they have like such a long runway because you heard the Coos VC funding them. Like you got people that just want to give them money. So not only do people want to give them money, they get to pick like which VCs are going to give them money. That's like the position that they're in. And then like I put, I positioned myself into that position too because I had like several opportunities that paid more than this, but I was like, this isn't right for Web3. So I just kept on passing and passing. And I wasn't even going to do a Web3 job. Like I said, I liked my Web2 job and I could go back to it tomorrow. But then I was like, given this one, I was like, this seems too good to be true. I took the leap of faith. So I've been at it for like three weeks. And I know like I'll cover this too as well. We went to like NFT NYC and I didn't meet a lot of people. That's only because we had like a ton of like I was new to the company and like the company itself already had prior arrangements with everyone. So we went to a couple of like NFT meetups. But like other than that, it was like a lot of like private one on one uh, conversations with individuals. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about the whole thing. You're like very vague and very uh, cryptic about everything that you talk about with that. So hopefully when we start diving into like actually growing in uh, growing like on NFT Twitter, you know, you'll be a little bit more specific, but uh, minister of NFTs. So I know that you're someone that Alex looks up to. Um, I'll ask you the same question, man. Like, you know, what, what is the whole thing about? Because I'm pretty sure when I followed your account, it was like your tweets were protected or something. I don't know if it was like private or something like that. So I would just love to know, like, is it just for fun? Is there any other motivation or or is this just like, yeah, I have fun doing this. That's it. Uh, that's my thing, you know? Well, basically, I have no bigger end goal. I just make memes and having fun and ent entertain people. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And so I guess if somebody came and actually wanted to pay you, if that, you know, if that opportunity came about, uh, like in, in a kind of, in a capacity that you thought was, was reasonable and not, you know, something that would hurt your, uh, identity in the web three space or the NFT space, is that something you'd entertain? Uh, I have rejected every offer until now. Yeah. No, no, no. They... All paid offers I have rejected, yes. Okay, but that doesn't directly answer my question. Like, is there a situation where you actually would accept payment for doing this? I mean, it sounds like Alex was able to find some scenario where he's just literally able to, you know, post funny stuff and make it a job. Is that something that you would entertain if you felt it was right? Or is that just on principle, not something that you would ever do? Um, no, I haven't think about this, but I don't think I will. No. All right. Well, you heard from the man. So, you know, Alex, a lot of people I think have kind of noticed your come up in the Solana space as, you know, it's funny to see the cultural differences, right? Between the Ethereum NFT, uh, peeps like people and the Solana ones like the word influencer gets thrown around uh, on Solana and it's almost like you know it's almost like a job title like software engineer as if it's like something that's been that people go to college for or something it's like it's kind of, it's kind of it's different right it's it's strange you don't really hear that with uh Ethereum but it's something that gets thrown around on Solana and so uh, I'm curious do you have any perspective you know that you would kind of want to put out there if other people are looking to build followings on NFT Twitter, Web3 Twitter, uh, what, what perspective would you share with them given how quickly you've been able to build the following and become a quote-unquote influencer on Solana since that seems to be a job title just like uh, you know being a mailman is? Yeah, so I want to clear the air here. I'm not an influencer. Influencers are people who influence you to buy things. You probably won't I probably can't influence you to buy anything. So I wanted to clear that out. But if I wanted to grow a following, this is like the first step I would do is like tweet underneath influencers because they're not funny at all. So those people, will, <laughs> you can literally just make fun of them and just steal their entire audience. I think that's like <laughs> I got started was just stealing like people that were quote unquote influencers and they just aren't funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I can confirm this, yes. <laughs> okay okay uh nice okay and i guess alex uh is there anything else you know <laughs> so thank you for sharing that perspective i'm curious uh if there would be any other like you know anything technical any techniques anything besides uh saying shit that's funnier than what a, an influencer said in response to their tweets i'd love to know if, if you have any other perspective beyond that yeah, uh, consistency is the number one. And, you know, it's like it's funny, right? Like everyone's like this is – but, dude, this got me a job. Like you, if you are consistent and you stick with it, you're going to – you'll get – I'm telling you right now, like my inbox is blown up with like opportunities. Like everyone wants to like get someone who can get engagement. And all it is is just like being consistent and being nice to people, what I've noticed. Like and not like – um, I see like a lot of like flattery. There's like a difference between being nice and being like flattering. Like flattering is like a big turnoff in my opinion. So you shouldn't flatter people, but you should be nice to people. Like if you're just flattering someone to get their attention, it's, it's not going to work. Like, like if you see someone that has like a big following, you're like trying to be flattering. It's not work, but like, it's more important to like treat everyone equally. Like if someone has a big following versus like someone has a small following, like recognize the person that has a small following the same way you recognize someone that has a big following. And then there's like, you build these like 
incredible bonds of mutual respect and you like to start building them out fast as fuck. And you should not actually concern yourself with trying to like please someone because they have a big following. That's actually going to like make all of your, your, you know what you're doing? You're like disrespecting everyone else involved. Like you're like, well, Alex really doesn't respect me because he's like showing favoritism to this person. Just because. So if you just avoid that route and treat everyone as an equal individual, you'll have like a lot more people that want to treat you as an equal individual. I mean, that's really good perspective right there. Uh, and when you say don't flatter people, you mean like, you know, complimentary posts? Like what exactly do you mean by flattering people specifically? Yeah. So that kind of goes back in like you're discrediting everyone else. Like if you go around like if, if I'm like P.O.'s like the best host in the world, I'm like literally saying everyone else is the worst. And I'm only saying it because I see P.O. like host all these spaces and like maybe it's true. You do have like I like my personal like. Like you, but anyways, are you trying like, to flatter me right now? No, live? I'm, I'm trying to give an example without You're breaking it. your own rule. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do it without like using names, but I'm just like using an example so people can get it. Like that's going to like discredit like easy. That's going to discredit like all, all these other um, amazing hosts if I'm like flattering people. So I think it's more important that you just show mutual respect to everyone, no matter like their position. Okay. No, I mean, look, I, I don't think I ever thought of it that way. I also feel like you're, you're teaching a, a class on how to like attract a mate right now. I feel like I'm in the Alexander art of seduction session right now or something like that, you know, with, uh, you're, you're like telling, telling me to basically neg influencers, right? No, but like, uh, I, I do think that what you just said is really good perspective. Um, do you, like you talked about being consistent, do you tweet like on a schedule or is it more so like when you just think of something, you just put it out there on Twitter? Like what goes into the tweeting side? What goes in, into the spaces side? And, you know, I have some follow up questions about spaces that I'd love to get the answer to, too. But I, let's start there with the tweeting. Yeah, I think it's like minister knows as well, but like consistency. And I'm personally a fan of quantity over quality. Like, it's just like when you play basketball, bro, like every when I will like, give an example, like when I shoot like a hundred shots and like in 30 minutes versus like, I, I like try to aim the shot and only shoot one shot and one in 30 minutes is like, I'm going to get way more out of that 100 thought. Yeah. I'm going to like shoot a whole bunch of bricks and maybe I won't hit every single one. Maybe that one shot I shot in the 30 minute I hit, but I'm probably going to hit like at least 10 of those 100 shots. So that's like, my whole thing, like it's, it, and there was a point in time I was like super nervous. I'm like, is this one like? I, I went through this weird phase. I'm like, do I really want to tweet this out now? I do. I just blast them. Like, I just literally comes to mind. Don't, don't even think twice. Misspellings, wrong punctuation. They're going out. Minister, any any thoughts on that? Anything to add? Uh, for me, it's the grind to earn model. Just put out as many as you can. Yeah. All right. So you guys uh, are, you know, come from the same school of thought. You know, Alex, with spaces, you've become a, a, a bit of an enigma on the Solana side. I noticed you hosting spaces that have hundreds of people in them. And the title of the space is like a comma or like a period, you know, and I, and I don't totally understand, you know, where that comes from. It, it feels like you're trolling, but obviously people are interested in listening to them. Is there a similar technique when it comes to spaces? Like, are you just putting in a lot of time on spaces and talking about random shit and trying to see what people are interested in? Like, how do you go about that? Because that's a totally different thing, right? Like, writing tweets is one thing you're writing versus what we're doing right now is like podcasting, right? It's like you're actually broadcasting your voice and talking to people, having a conversation. Totally different thing. You're doing both. What's the approach when it comes to spaces? Yeah, absolutely. I want to, um, so I've been like learning the spaces that I go and like, I've been making like clickbaity tweet, uh, sorry, clickbaiting like spaces and I could get the spaces bigger, but I want to like create like such a very solid foundation that like no one's going to click on it. So maybe I should like, I don't know. I'm trying to make it uninteresting, but I guess somehow it became interesting. That's like called period. Like I was trying to like set the bar as low as possible and only people that would like want to be in would be in. It's like kind of my goal. And I don't want them to like before PO, like, I don't know, I used to always call it like, okay, bears is rugging. And then like a whole bunch of people would come in, but they weren't coming in because of the content they were coming in because it was like the title was clickbaiting. So what I'm trying to do at this point is like create the most unclickbaiting title possible. I don't, I, I, cause I want it like an authentic audience versus like one that's just like off based off like what the title's called. I don't know if that helps, but I, okay. I also, I also forgot to include something like why I did what I did, what, what I learned about the mutual respect thing. So 
Uh, let me, can I give you a quick backstory yeah. of like my CFP? Okay, okay. Um, do, they hired me as an advisor. I'm going to like TLDR to the, to yeah, the point. Yeah, they being the project that your PFP is. Right. Uh, TLDR to the point. Uh, I told him when they hired me, I'm like, dude, I don't get along with a lot of influencers. And then he like was like, it's fine. And then there was like influencers said they're going to fade it because they, they saw my involvement. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. Like these influencers are all going to fade this. Like this project's going to fail and it's only because of me. But then what happened? It went 40X and was the number one traded NFT on all blockchains combined. So it just made me like really hammered home the idea of like, dude, everyone's an equal. Like there's, there's no one that think like they, they I think like, like myself, I like to think I'm important. And like, I'm like, if I'm not part of this project, then it's not going to do well. But that's not true at all. It, it literally no one person can dictate that or even like a group of individuals. If, I mean, that's a, that's a humble way of looking at it. Back to spaces, because you host a lot of them, right? So you're participating as an actual contributor. You speak on a lot of them. I see you speaking on Easy Show almost every day, right? Uh, and I see you doing your own thing, hosting those spaces where there's like the weird titles, you're changing the titles, all this different stuff. You also listen to a lot of spaces. I see you listening to our show almost every day, full 90 minutes, just chilling there. I see you listening to other Solana shows. Like I just commonly see you participating in this live podcast sector of the NFT space, whether it's Solana or ETH, I know that there's like this weird divide between the two and like almost like a political thing, but you're kind of, you're out there on both sides. I, as a host myself, would love to hear some perspective, like from your, from your side as a listener, what do you think makes for good content in this live podcast format? And also, you know, uh, is there anything that you really particularly enjoy listening to in spaces that you think contributes to large audience sizes? Yeah, I think talking points, like having talking points and then like being consistent will also, I think that's like the number, like going back to tweet, just being consistent. Like it's, you, you are like the most consistent in every, every single, and then you have like, like almost like a script you run through, like, and, and you're like, you become like almost normalized to that. And I think like what you guys are doing is like, kind of would be like a goal for anyone that would set that up. And like, it looks like easy in that, in that rhythm now too, like Monday through Thursday. And like, it, it almost becomes like a program. And then eventually like people start catching on and on and just keep uh, like almost like a snowball effect. I do want to PO, like I want to switch it and ask you some questions because I feel like no one ever asked about PO. Uh, sure. Sure. I mean, absolutely. But, but before you do that, just, can you answer my question, but without me or Easy in the in the response? Like outside of me and Easy, what what have you heard from other shows, other spaces, other content in this live podcast format that you think performs well? And then you can ask me anything, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th it's literally the talking points, and I like to hear from other like so I can get more perspective. I think it's important for me to like go outside of my comfort zone. Like I try to join like the most random shit. So I make sure I get like cover every, every basis. And like the spaces I host are literally just me walking my dog every day. It just gives me, t I'm, I'm like, just, it's like a three hour walk. And it just gives me like, it, it makes the walk very easy. Cause then now I get like my steps in for the day and I'm like selfish. Cause I want to like talk to people as I'm doing it. And, but that, that's kind of like what I do spaces and like what I look for in spaces just, doing different spaces so I get more perspective on like what I think works well. And like, you, you can tell by like the, if the space is growing, then you know, like the content that people are enjoying it, if the space is shrinking, then you can tell like the people aren't enjoying the content. So that's like the number one metric for me. Like if, if the, if the content is good, it's just like, is the listeners growing while the speaker's talking? Well, my uh, co-host, my, my business partner, Nifty Nick, who's in the crowd right now, is probably literally just, uh, you know, having a heart attack with how excited he is at your response right there, because that's his big metric, too. So he's going to be rubbing it in my face when we have a meeting on growing our audience now. Uh, but anyway, so you said you want to ask me some questions. Go ahead and shoot, man. I don't. Well, I mean, we can. I don't know if you have like a whole script. Like I have a whole bunch of questions that I'm curious, like what got you into like, like we could hard start it all over. Like, I just, like everything you asked me, I kind of wanted to bounce it back at you. <laughs> whatever you want. I don't have a script, dude. I, that was all off the dome. So, I mean, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I know you got involved in YouTube, but then you like transferred. Well, let, let, can we like start from the very beginning? You had like, I think you showed me a video and it had like millions of views on YouTube. Like it, it blows my mind that you can make those types of videos and then you transfer over into like crypto Twitter space. Like, why didn't you stay with YouTube if you're getting like, millions of views like wouldn't that pay a lot of money 
the millions of views isn't on the NFT side. That was like a music video. And so, uh, and, and, you know, where I was the director and, and I was working with an artist. So that's like a totally different ball game. Um, the NFT sector is really like segmented in the sense that, I mean, really, it, it's almost completely on Twitter. And then a lot of the YouTube content is either consumed by the super diehard NFT peeps, you know, or actually there's like a big sector of YouTube content that is uh, people that are like, I guess you could say like not disrespectfully normies, right? Like people that aren't actually deep in the NFT space and maybe have like kind of a surface level understanding or a surface level interest in NFTs and they're consuming content on YouTube just because that's their native platform to consume content. But the thing is, is that a lot of people that make content that those people consume are not actually deep in the NFT space or are not presenting the reality of the NFT space. So what you'll get is a sort of, it's kind of like a little bit of a disconnected perspective being presented to that person. And it doesn't help that person get deeper because the reality of things is you can say the NFT space lives on Twitter and Discord or, or Twitter and Discord and Telegram but really like the core 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 is twitter and we've learned that just from you know uh the way that we make content because we have a big you know we have a million and a half views on the nft youtube that we have so we you know we have seven figures of views on there but dude i could interview fucking uh, gary v i could interview kevin rose all on the youtube nobody would know about it but i can if i bring them on the twitter spaces everybody's going to be talking to me about it it's it's kind of crazy uh, I, I put out a poll last week. 40% of the people that listened to us um, didn't know that we had a YouTube. 40% of the people that follow me, and, and you have to assume listen to our content, had no idea we had a YouTube. Uh, you know, when, when we have a million and a half views and we've had some pretty big name people like founder of Doodles, founder of Deadfellas, you know, I can go on. I, if I look up our guests, like there's some pretty solid guests on there. They just had no idea. And people were like congratulating me about having a YouTube. I'm like, dude, we've been doing YouTube since September. Some people were telling me that we should do a YouTube, which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I'll stop there. I'm rambling now. No, that's awesome. So you started off in YouTube. Did you have like a formal education on, on like social media? Like I'm confused how you became like such like a great content creator on YouTube and then transferred to, to Twitter. Oh, well, first of all, thank you, man. No, I mean, look, so I came from content in the sense that I was a music video director. That's not directly applicable, but at least you're in the direction. And it, it puts you in a spot where you're paying attention to content through a lens of, you know, you're, you're paying attention to content through a lens of um, a creator versus through the lens of a consumer. And so then when I started listening to podcasts in like 2015, right when I was like 25, uh, you know, you're look, you're listening to these podcasts through the lens of a creator. And by the time I started making NFT content in March, 2021, that was like six years of podcast experience. You know, there was a point in time where I'd seen every single interview that Quentin Tarantino had done. Like when in my directing days, there literally was not a Quentin, uh, there was not a minute of Quentin Tar Tarantino interview content on YouTube that I hadn't seen. There wasn't a minute of Paul Thomas Anderson interview content on YouTube that I hadn't seen, right? So when you kind of look at those things through the lens of a creator, you can start to pick up on what the talented people in those fields are doing, and you can try to apply it to what um, to what you're doing. And like for people that are trying to do Twitter spaces, if they're just starting, my two things that I say to them in terms of like what would like help them build any kind of audience is like no dead air. So in other words, not letting there just be dead ass silence like you hear on so many Twitter spaces. And number two, just straight up listen. If you just straight up listen, you're not distracted and you can kind of demonstrate to the audience through the conversation that you're listening. Just like if you were like on a date with somebody one on one, you would have a conversation and demonstrate that you're listening and, and they could tell if you aren't listening. Those two things right there will put you ahead of like at least 50 percent, maybe closer to 75 percent of competition. You just let dead air happen. No, you're well, letting dead air happen right now. now. You're the host. I, <laughs> you know, I run a, if, if I was host, I run a tight ship. Like as soon as I end my conversation, I'm straight off. Like I 100% agree, dead air. I'm like waiting for the host. Like pass it off to Nick, P.O. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it, this is not my usual show. This is like a little conversation uh, over here we're doing. Nick, you, you requested to speak. What's going on, buddy? 
Well, I was just going to back you up on something which uh, I think goes uh, underappreciated and throw some flowers your way, which was um, uh, that you were asking um, Shulan Villain here about like his sort of strategy. And a lot of it's very like tactical, which is something, yes, uh, his approach to the to the charts is something I agree with. But that's something that I'm like heavily biased toward. And Pio uh, ended up uh, months ago, um, I w- well, I was going through personal stuff, but also it turned out that um, initially from the data standpoint, I was outperforming Pio for a period of time and then it shifted and Pio was outperforming me. And I think the only reason that I was was because I had more followers earlier on. But Pio actually, uh, like he was saying, listened to the guests and followed up, uh, followed up from them. If you listen to like uh, every single space, like go, go and just hop in a space and listen to it. And 99% of the time, the person will ask a question and then not follow up. And the response is the same response that I would give when I wasn't paying attention, which was like, oh, cool. Or that's interesting. And then they would just hop into a completely unrelated question. And it just demonstrates that they weren't actually paying attention to what was going on. And Pio, for, uh, to his credit, is someone who's done two things. One is pay attention to... Uh, what the other people are saying, so you can try and um, you know continue to either dive deep or at least make it a transition between that conversation, you know, whatever was going on that that person said into the next um, into the next conversation. And we spent a lot of time actually talking about that particular aspect of things. And the other thing, uh, well, I-, I would say that's the biggest thing. But the other thing that Pio and I often would get into heated debates about was literally the distinction between. Uh, like I, I'm heavy on the data side of things, and he was just like, "Yo, we just need to make a good show." And saying this, this was crazy fucking I, idea. Like, like, but I just, I want to, I want to back up Pio on this because the the problem that I'm coming from is like, yeah, 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 but how are we going to make money from this thing? But then he's basically saying, "Yo, we just got to make a good show." And I think people really underestimate and underappreciate. Um, the importance and now all of our conversation is really around well how do you make a better show and Pia has been the one really heavily leading the charge on that front of things and I think the numbers just speak for themselves is if you're listening you're engaging and then you're uh, simultaneously cr- the result of that just that by itself creates a great show gets you 99% of the way there the rest is then being like okay well what segments and other things like that but yeah, I just wanted to back up Pio on that because I think that just goes underappreciated um, as much as I, I, I think both things play a role. Um, but yeah, m- most people just completely miss the ball on it. Oh, some rare support from my uh, my co-founder, Nifty Nick. Normally, saying, Now let me talk about why he's sucking. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's normally saying you have an alcohol problem, you have addiction issues, you need to control <laughs> okay. yourself. Chillin' <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chillin', what's up, man? Yeah, and like I think that's a very good point that Nick brings up is like staying on topic and like whenever you notice a speaker that's not on topic, just like instantly cut them off and be like, look, dude, we're still talking about this. There's like other like I don't we I'm big into like the hand thing. Like I know like it's like a a nuance, but like I don't know how else to like really direct the conversation if I don't know who like who wants to speak next. I don't want people like blurting over everyone. Like we run a tight ship over there when I'm walking my dog and like staying on topic is like one of the biggest uh, takeaways yeah because it shows like you don't respect what other people are saying at, at that point and then also getting back to like the mutual respect thing that i was talking about earlier it not only applies to tweets it applies specifically to spaces too you will see the same speakers up there every single day and it'll like discredit literally everyone like dude get some new speakers up there rotate people in hear different perspective you're gonna grow yourself as well you're gonna grow your audience yeah i mean one thing i hear from you man is i hear serious passion i think it manifests in you talking really fast and like uh you know it's it's great to hear it right um one thing i wanted to point out too is like you know having a kind of agenda for what you want to accomplish with the show because you're talking about having respect for people you're talking about listening you're talking about driving the show forward no dead air my man easy on solana made easy just before this from from 5 p.m to 6 15 eastern uh i'm, I'm on that 
that show. I don't contribute that much because I don't know that much about Solana. But Easy literally had to like kick a guy off stage today just because the guy wouldn't stop aggressively shilling. Like he just the guy would not stop. There was no stopping the guy, and it got to the point where Easy like had to point out. He's like, "Yo, so it's like a no shill zone," and he did it. Easy did it in the most graceful and um and polite way possible. And the guy's response was like, "I'm not trying to shill." It'd be like if a guy keeps punching you in the face and you're like, yo, like I don't like you punching me in the face right now. And he's like, I'm not trying to punch you in the face as he just continues to jab at you. He's just jabbing at you. And so he had to literally remove the guy from the show. And I think that a lot of people don't understand the difference between creating content versus just like leveraging technology to do something you couldn't do before. Like it's one thing to make a show, which is a live podcast, which wasn't possible in the way that it's possible now before Clubhouse. Clubhouse was the inception of this. I think the clo- when I look at traditional media, I think the closest thing is Collins on shows like Opie and Anthony, Howard Stern, those kind of traditional radio shows where you have multiple participants, one host, and then they take Collins and the Collins lead to like some crazy stuff, right? Some people don't understand that there's that. There's like actually making a show. And then there's just popping up on Twitter spaces because your phone allows you to do it. And they think it's like a way to either pump their NFT asset bags, like just talk about something they bought because they want to influence other people to buy it and then sell it. Or it's uh, so that they can just say something that they want to say because, you know, it's, it's just a self-serving thing thing, not actually contributing the conversation. So I think a lot of people just need to understand the distinction uh, between leveraging technology because now you can actually join this like this quote unquote room and unmute your mic and say words and other people hear them versus actually participating on a show that has a theme. Like when you're watching the NBA finals, uh, a random guy doesn't just start talking with the former players about what's going uh, about like random shit that's not related to the NBA. You know what I mean? Like they have a show, they're doing their thing. Yeah, they'll do like sponsorships and promotions. And we do that on our morning show. Uh, they're always in line in some way with NFTs. We're not just having like a dog food company come and sponsor us for money. Uh, and we found ways to work it into the show that so that the show still works and it doesn't take away from the content, just like they do on TV. So that's why people don't understand like projects just hit you up and they're like, yo, we want to come on your show and self-promote. It's like, what do you mean? Like, how, how would that work? That's like saying I want to jam a screwdriver into like a, a random opening that that it doesn't fit into. Um, Nick has his hand raised. Then I want to hear from from Alex right after. Nick, Nick any thoughts on that or anything you want well, to add? There were two things. One, uh, the chillin' villain said, I think uh, he he said about respecting the other speakers, but it was actually respecting your audience to me was like the biggest thing, which really, and the passion that P.O. was just saying did definitely come through as well. But I think it's respecting the audience, which a lot of uh, moderators on here definitely don't. And uh, like P.O. is very focused on that. And, and what we did regarding what P.O. you were talking about, the sort of open format where people can come on and you don't know what's going to happen. A traditional radio show would at least have a filter for that. Um, but what you uh, do with that is, ba- or what we did at the beginning was we turned that into uh, sort of a, a shtick, which was basically like we knew people were going to come on that sucked, basically, <laughs> and, 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 and we would just throw them off. And like I'd say something like completely over the top to, to disarm, uh, disarm things, kind of simultaneously make a joke, but then also literally violently throw them off the stage. Uh, just, just verbally (laughs) because it it was something which like made it, uh, entertaining to go, uh, to, to stick with, but it also ended up being like, well, how do I actually still respect the flow and let the audience know that we respect, you know, that their time that that's here and we don't want this other person coming up and just straight disrespecting it in that way, basically. A A thousand percent. Uh, Alex. Yeah, that's a great point. Nick. Is yeah. Like if you come and if you bring a speaker and like, there are spaces for like different things. And like, I, I used to participate in like these, like what they call bricked up spaces. And I don't like participating in them at, at, at all because like all I like to do is talk about NFTs and I ignore the shit out of them. And I think like the people that join in our spaces now are just like people that really enjoy talking about NFTs. So yeah, it's like doing a disservice to your audience. If you're like just letting people take control, I, I, I'm like make jokes. Like we're the pilot and we're steering it. And like, 
and they try to like bring it down the wrong avenue, like which isn't NFT related. And like I said, there's other spaces. So the only the only thing we normally talk about is NFTs. And if someone tries to direct it out of that, like you have to like instantly snap that off. And then I I don't I I'm still working on. It. I just move them to listener immediately, and like they can leave. And like getting back like the respect thing. Like whenever someone like when I join a space and like, Oh, Alexander's here. Like, please come up, Alexander. Like, dude, you're literally disrespecting everyone in that space. When you say that, like, you think that my opinion is more important than anyone, which isn't in true at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it sounds like whether or not you went into this wanting to make this like your career or wanting to make this like a big part of your life, you're treating it in a similar way that somebody would you know what I mean? And sometimes that just happens, right? Sometimes people like get into something, you know, you see people like get into like martial arts or something and all of a sudden they're just fucking competing at a high level. They're like, yeah, I never, I never trained until I was 23. And it's like, what are you talking about? Then you got somebody that, that did it from when they were a little kid and they, they don't get to that level. Sometimes things just kind of click and it does sound like you have an understanding of this radio game that is the Twitter spaces thing. You just raise your hand again. It, it, some more fire to, to spit out what's going on yeah no uh dude i wanted to like because you're like you're trying to like understand but dude it came from literally i joined a space I, I didn't do twitter spaces right i only i only started doing it in like march or something i joined a twitter space bro and it was nine influencers up there and it was just me and i was giving my opinion i was literally getting bullied by nine influencers and i thought it was gonna be like a friendly space i got invited to it was not and i was like dude solana spaces suck ass like i'm gonna start spaces that aren't gonna be like influencer driven and it'll like just be like a people's for the people. And it's funny because like influencers get so pissed off. Like they'll literally be in the crowd requesting and I just will not bring them up because they, they tend to have like this thing where their opinion matters. Not all of them. I will bring up and like, I don't want to like say everyone, right. Um, it's this terrible take, but there are like certain people that think their opinions automatically outweigh others just because of like certain aspects, which is not true. So it's very important to like, like going back to the whole, like respecting your audience. Like I'm not going to bring anyone up that I think like, inherently thinks and i know who they are right i know who they are so it's not like i just know like i i just know i've heard from them and then i realize okay these people do not care like they'll immediately redirect the conversation what they want to talk about and they're not here to like participate like everyone else yeah and, and i'm going to throw to nick in a second but just to add to what you're talking about the interesting thing to think about too is the difference in the medium of actually writing tweets or writing memes or shit posting like you know written content that gets blasted out which by the way is the content that's native to the twitter algorithm like when twitter started it wasn't the twitter spaces platform it was twitter it was fucking tweets right and it still is like that that algorithm's like however many years old probably pushing 20 years old pretty soon here and uh, and, and that's a favorable algorithm if you can conquer it. And that's how a lot of these quote-unquote influencers get to that level. If you want to see what a following looks like through Twitter spaces, like mine actually I think would be an accurate one. And it's not as robust as somebody that's crushing it with tweets. So the thing you also have to keep in mind is just because someone has like 150,000, 250,000 Twitter followers, it doesn't mean that they have an understanding of how to actually contribute on this live podcast format. And I've experienced it where people just start shilling immediately. It's like, it's just as soon as, as soon as they come on the stage, the shill meter just goes off or they'll talk over people. They're not respecting the podcast, right? They're not thinking about it like something that's going to be recorded and listened to by somebody that's in their car. Um, so I'll throw it to Nick. Nick, you raise your hand. What's going on? I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk about our NFT project real quick. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, the, the, thing, the thing that I was going to say uh, was pertaining to what uh, Shill and Villain had said about, and then uh, I would also use your sort of term for championship attitude. It's not, you use the word influencer, Shill and Villain, which I think is just like, I, I don't know what that means to you, but for me, I think you're just saying like, it's someone that has a lot of followers. Um, but someone who has a lot of followers does not necessarily uh, have a, like the capacity to interact on this medium. So it's not necessarily indicative of that. And in fact, I have actually seen by and large, most people and including influencers just don't know how to interact on this medium. And that actually is the source of uh, much of the issue. So what we perceive when we go and see someone and they say, oh, they have uh, a thousand people in their room, we say, man, they, get, they have to be doing something right. Something very interesting is going on here. But that person has 500,000 followers and they only have a thousand people listening. 
we, we've seen like huge celebrities with millions of people uh, who follow them, but to, they, they end up driving 200 people to a uh, Twitter space. And that's a combination of two things. One, they don't really have a highly engaged audience uh, like Pia was alluding to. But secondarily, they don't respect the medium because what happens is, is that space, as you were saying before with the analytics, just has incredibly high churn. So the person is coming in, they're saying, I'm not interested, and they're immediately leaving. And there's only a few variables that can ultimately drive that. But for Pio, what, uh, the phrase he always uses is a championship mentality. And uh, I think that that's something uh, that just a lot of people don't have, including people who, ha who are influencers. It's, it's sort of like, I have this number, and thereby I deserve for everybody to listen to me. And, 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 that's, and that's why people are coming. And it, it just doesn't work that way. So I think that that's something that uh, most people just don't recognize. Yeah, and look, we're, we're going to wrap here in a second because this is like my fourth hour or fifth hour of content today. But um, but that's Alex, a championship mentality right there. Okay, is <laughs> quit. He's fucking quit. No. Um. So real quick, Alex. Uh, one of the guys, one of our our paid mods in our Discord, Ben Green, just sent me a DM, and he said, uh, "I got a question for the speakers. What advice would they have for someone that wants to grow their following?" but doesn't have time to send a couple hundred tweets every day or spend all day in spaces. So, I mean, I think I got an opinion for Ben Green, but I want to hear from Alex. And I see Minnie just, just raised his hand, so we'll throw it to him too. But Alex, do you have any thoughts for Ben Green on that? You, you don't have a lot of time to grow your following, but you want to. That's, that's a difficult answer because that goes against exactly how I built mine. So I'm hoping Minister probably has a better answer than me. Well, I just post a meme and you, you just have to make a relatable caption with a funny picture and that's it. That's engagement farming. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for giving us a very fundamental description of how to make a meme. Um, Nick, you unmuted. I was just going to say, like, uh, it's, it's target audience meets specific message that like uh, resonates with that audience. So like a meme, yeah, you could be a meme account. I've actually, there was a guy back in the day who I knew who um, he, ran, he ran a gossip blog. I, I was really big into, into blogging. And um, he had this gossip blog, but like he wasn't able to get advertisers and he got a bunch of like essentially just junk users. He said it was kind of one of the worst gigs he had. He ended up moving into... Uh, info marketing and teaching people how to market online, whatever. But the uh, main main point being, you you need to find you can create memes that are funny, but the the engagement that you get is going to be completely different. Like when you suddenly transition from like uh, posting memes to creating a tweet thread about your analysis on like the future price of Ethereum, well, that's going to be like quite a jump, right? So you can't necessarily make that that jump easily, and so you end up having to find something that like actually fits uh, the message for the audience that you're trying to create. So I think that like my own personal experience is like, okay, I'm going to go become an expert at this one specific uh, niche and go um, j just go and create as much content as possible for that, and find out who all the people are in that. Try to elevate those people. Mine's a way more manual, slow process, but I think what um, Shill and Villain may unintentionally or, or not realize, you know, the, the, the degree to which he's narrowed his focus. But memes work funny when you've built your audience and they work funny when you haven't. So it's definitely a key thing to place in there. But it doesn't necessarily, if you, all you did was post memes, you're not suddenly going to have people paying attention to you about your Solana trades. Yeah. And look, last thing for Ben is it's almost like asking, you know, how do I get really, really good at basketball if I don't have time to get good at basketball? It's like, dude, if you want to do this, you're going to have to figure it out. And there's people that are out there that wake up at like 4 a.m. and work like 17 hours a day. And they're like, you know, crushing the gym and, and like, you know, optimizing their diet so that they have the most energy. Like when you get into these uh, arenas that are skill-based arena. In other words, like 
the whole world is competing. It's just the same thing as being at the highest level in like pro sports or something. So when you hear these guys like Naval Ravikant and all these like, you know, Tim Ferriss, like Sam Harris, like big brain motherfuckers that are doing crazy shit, like going and, and doing ice baths and sauna and optimized diet and exercise and everything in between meditation, you know, that that's the arena you're in. This isn't like a job. They're just lying. <laughs> <laughs> when you start lying like all those guys, you know, you're, you're like, yo, I went to the gym. I did my meditation. I worked for 47 hours today. Mark, Mark Wahlberg's like, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I start lifting weights. I got my lifting buddy, you know, and that's why I'm able to do what I do is I go to bed at 8. I wake up at 4 a.m. No, but like in all seriousness, like, dude, you like this is the big leagues. It's not college. You're not like turning in a term paper. This is like, you know, the, the highest level of whatever the fuck you're doing, right? Like there's no roadmap. You do your own thing. And a guy like Shillin Villain growing his audience super fast, he's just going to flip my following in the next like month because he's not going to stop. And then he's going to flip Nick's following in like, you know, two months or something like that. You're just going to see him keep going. So he's just cracked the code, right? He's figured out, it's not even cracking the code of the algorithm. It's cracking the code of how you can plug your, like plug this into your life and, and, you know, have like a, a reasonable amount of effort, but high impact, right? Like Nick and me look at these curves and you put different things for your business in different spots and you want low effort, high impact, right? You don't want high effort, low impact. So you got to figure that out. Uh, we're gonna wrap here, Shillin' Villain, Minister. Any anything, any final thoughts or anything you want to put out there? Yeah, thanks for having me. There you go. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, I was waiting for someone else. So uh, <laughs> I, this is probably my question to you, Pio. So you're like successful in two platforms, and I, that's where I'm at. My like, I I can like do stuff on Twitter, but I'm like, am I going to be wasting and going back to your high impact? Uh, malarkey you're just saying the am i gonna waste my time if i switch over to platforms or should i like focus on growing like the and it feels like if i switch over to youtube i feel like it's just wasting my time personally i mean look probably i mean i know that's like the harsh answer but the thing is is like unless you have a background with youtube you you could just make videos and put them on twitter like like i told you there were people that have been following us 40 percent of the people that follow me didn't know we have a youtube and I, we post the videos from the YouTube on Twitter. So like the NFT space is a super, 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 super Twitter native space, period. So look, for your life, if you want to be a content person long term, it's not bad that you're going to do Twitter, but you're going to go on there. You're going to have jack shit for views and the, your followers on Twitter aren't going to go there. They just will not do it. Your diehards will. But, the, but most followers are just like, nah, man, I'll be on Twitter, though. So you can drop those videos on Twitter for sure. Nick raised his hand. He might have a different opinion. I was just going to say, the, you can, it's always worth experimenting with different channels. But the biggest thing that you're going to run into is how do I support those different channels? And it can get really overwhelming when you suddenly shift over to those areas. Uh, I see a lot of people uh, overextend. You end up going broad. So you're like, oh, I got an email newsletter. I got a Twitter space. I got a YouTube. I have a podcast. I have all these different uh, mediums that I'm on. And there's, uh, you know, competing thoughts on this. But my general thought is, is like, until you've like mastered that first medium it, that is already working natively for you, then it's probably not the best idea to transition over. Um, but, uh, it, there's nothing wrong with uh, trying to do that. If you have extra resources, then go for it. Um, but you're, now your uh, mind is basically going to be absorbed with this new medium. And knowing the way that you've performed so far on Twitter, my guess is you're going to end up just as obsessed over this new channel and saying, how do I absolutely like crush this? And you're going to go do research. You're going to go check out all the other videos. You're going to end up figuring this out. So the only thing you just want to be careful of is like, how do I do that in a measurable way that doesn't just like instantly absorb all of my time uh, and detract from what I'm currently executing on and it's performing well? Alex? Yeah, that, that's like my biggest concern. Like I've been like a successful streamer. I only did it for like a month and I feel like I, I could have made it like a career almost. Like I did it for a month and like towards the tail end of it, I was just getting like almost to be like a job and like people were tuning. It was crazy. I think I could like make it work, but I don't think it'll be like, I will not bring in a new audience. And I think there's like this 
like I think it's false. I think it's false. And I'm kind of curious, like you guys are right, like doing these morning podcasts. You guys notice your numbers are going up. Are they staying like the same? Are you hearing from like the same people? Like and same thing with like your YouTube. Is it just like recycled people within YouTube? Like hearing from like your same Twitter people, but on YouTube now? The growth happens in in kind of parallel with the performance of the market, right? Like we're still at a stage where people are pretty much only interested in NFTs uh, when you really boil it down uh, because they think that they can make money. That, that kind of is what it is. And so for a long time, you saw people grow big followings because they basically pitched, if you follow me, you're going to be able to make money. So we're happy with where the numbers are for the morning show. Um, you know, I think Nick probably is not that happy because he's like a really numbers driven guy. Like Nick, I don't know. Do you want to answer Alex's question? I, I'd be curious. Yeah, I was just going to say we're failing miserably. You know, it's a real struggle. Uh, no, I don't. I, I agree with what you actually said from the standpoint of like it goes with the market. But uh, simultaneously, we're playing a game against ourselves. So like if you're it's it's more like golf or something like that, where the question is, is like, what can we do? Yeah, the market may go down, the market may go up. And in those upswings, you're going to see a lot more engagement. Um, but there's other things that you can try and experiment with and test uh, to see, you know, what, what works and what doesn't. And even in a down market, I mean, that's like the best time because your exposure of those experiments, less people see it, but you still get data coming back. So uh, we, our numbers are, are solid for, for where they're at. You know, we're just competing against ourselves, trying to basically constantly um, – increase those numbers. And so by, I wouldn't say any means possible, but within, with, with very minimal constraints. I let easy on stage because easy texts me with a really good point. And I, it's something that I didn't take into account easy. Yeah. So, I mean, so like the big thing with the YouTube aspect of it is it is like a completely different audience. Uh, I've been doing YouTube with Nifty since like November, maybe the time before. And a lot of the, the Solana Twitter has no idea. Like I realized that when KTC was like, in awe that I had even done any of that content and he just left. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably the most interesting thing is like, it's a completely separate audience. And like, when I look at Cody and Jersey and I talk to them a lot about stuff, a lot of their communities are very focused on like the YouTube audience and tuning into live trading and some of that other stuff. Whereas it's not the same like Twitter spaces community. So I do think it's like two completely separate audiences and groups almost where you're just getting more eyes on that content. Well, he, he came off the stage Typical move right there. That's I couldn't have drawn it up more uh, in line with Chill and Villain and, and what he's doing. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe we'll do more of these, a little bit, a uh, little bit of a different flavor for us. We'll catch you guys next time.